Welcome to the Flourish with Functional Nutrition podcast. I'm your host, Madeline Lowry, founder of Twin Cities Nutritional Therapy and a nutritional therapy practitioner, specializing in chronic digestive issues, mood disorders like anxiety and depression, multiple allergies, and autoimmune disease with a focus on the gut microbiome. Join me for episode eight, where Lynn Fox, nutritional therapy practitioner, interviews me about the new model of chronic disease, we learn about the two factors that can contribute to many, if not most, chronic symptoms and how nutritional therapy can address these root causes to restore health. As always, we must disclaim that the information we share in the podcast is for educational purposes only. Functional nutrition is similar to functional medicine in that it seeks root causes of illness. As nutritional therapy practitioners, we do not diagnose or treat disease, and we recommend working with a qualified practitioner. Now. Let's hear about the new model of disease. Well, welcome, Lynn. It's so great to have you back on the show. I always love having you on Flourish for Functional Nutrition. Um, again, we're going to turn the tables, and Lynn is going to be the interviewer. I will be the interviewee. Yes. Okay, so, Madeline, we are here to talk about a new model of chronic disease. So what is the old model yeah, the old model is the one that most of us know, right? The one that we're living under. Um, this is the model that's based on genetic predisposition, risk factors, and sometimes um, idiopathic events, right? What we call um, random events. So often when we go to the doctor, um, if we're diagnosed, if we receive a diagnosis and we say, gosh, you know, why did I get sick now? We get an answer that's some combination of you know, lifestyle risk, you know, our weight, or um, how much we exercise, or what we're eating, or if we're smoking, or have alcohol use, things like that. And the luck of the genes, right? They'll say, well, you probably have a familial disposition for this. Um, and then maybe they'll talk about environmental risk factors like exposures to toxins. But also sometimes they just say, well, we, we really don't know. It's idiopathic. We don't know what the source is, what the, what the causative factors are. So that's the old model of chronic disease. And and what's wrong with the old model of chronic disease? Yeah, I think, you know, I think it has some merit, but I think that there's a lot more to consider these days with the information that's coming out of um, the scientific research. So first, you, we have the emerging field of epigenetics that shows that our genes are not our destiny, right? Just because you have a genetic predisposition or you have a gene for something doesn't mean that it has to be expressed. And second, the information coming out of the human genome, uh, sorry, the human microbiome project has shown us that human genes we carry in the 23 pairs of chromosomes in our cells is only 1% of our genetic material. 1%. So when we say we have a genetic predisposition to something, we are talking about the human gene component of, of ourselves. But as I tried to explain in, um, in the episode uh, 7, which was about the microbiome and health, we have so much more genetic material to consider now because a whopping 99% of our genetic material is coming from our gut microbiome. And that's the bacteria, the virus, the fungi, and the protozoa living in and on the human body, but mostly in the gut. So this whole concept of genetic predisposition has to be completely rethought because there is so many more 
genetic factors to be considered. And that adds even more weight to the idea that our human genes are not our destiny. Which is so inspiring and it's hopeful. So tell me what the new model for disease might be. Yeah, so the new model for chronic disease, and here I'm talking about non-communicable diseases like and conditions, right? That uh, uh, like allergies, depression, heart disease, diabetes, autoimmune diseases, and cancer, um, the non-infectious ones. Um, so the new model of disease really centers on two things. One is the health of the gut, and the second one is imbalances in the gut microbiome. So let's go back to the oft-quoted you know, statement that Hippocrates, the ancient Greek physician, made 2,500 years ago. All disease begins in the gut. While we've mostly forgotten about that um, with the, in the era of modern medicine, I think it could be more accurate than we have given it credit for in the last uh, uh, couple of generations. And um, so, as I said, there's, the new model is com- the, the combination of two important concepts. One is intestinal permeability, or what is known as leaky gut. And the other one is imbalances in the gut microbiome. It's also called dysbiosis. So let's talk about these one at a time. What is leaky gut? Well, leaky gut is simply a compromised firewall between our gut and the rest of our body. So if you think of the whole digestive tract as a clear channel through the body between mouth and anus that allows the outside world in, um, I think you understand how... Um, the body wants to defend itself by creating a firewall, a lining uh, um, along the intestinal tract to protect the systems of the body from, you know, the foreign elements that we're allowing to come through for the purposes of nourishing ourselves, right? So we have to let the good and the bad come through along this tract. And part part of that leads to the next component, which is imbalances in the gut microbiome, right? So our gut is just teeming with microbes, bacteria, virus, fungi, protozoa, helminths. And these come in on our food and our drink, anything we put in our mouth. There's really no way to keep out the bad species completely, but we're designed to be able to tolerate a certain percentage of bad. Um, generally, we want good bacterial species to be about 85% and the, the bad, you know, to about 15%. The good bacterial species are responsible for so many essential aspects of health. Remember, they help us to digest our food. They affect brain function. They regulate our hormones. They modulate our immune system. And most importantly, they form a lining. So one of the layers of this firewall is actually a lining of beneficial microbes that make a mucus layer. So when the bad species overgrow, that mucus layer is compromised. And beyond that mucus layer is just one one layer of epithelial cells, just one layer deep. And so that uh, mucus layer, when it's compromised, um, it just allows um, attacks on the epithelial lining to be that much more um, possible, right? So it's that much more e- that much easier for proteins and toxins to breach um, the, the gut wall. And that leads to a disease state. So that's the new model of disease. It really begins in the gut, and it has really, um, we, the old model put so much emphasis on our genetics, and the new model, model is more, um, more hopeful that we maybe have more control over our health. 
Is that correct? Yeah, yeah I think so. And the new model is not, it's not that it's not leaning on genetics, right? But there's so much more genetic material to consider here because our bacteria, our, our micro, uh, microbe content of our gut is contributing 99% of the genetic material. And we, our human genes are only 1%. So, you know, there's something to consider there as well. So how does nutritional therapy address this new model of disease? So this is what I think is so exciting for us as nutritional therapy practitioners, because on some level, we've known this all along. I mean, our our field is a pretty new field, but um, I think that we, we have been acting on these principles. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's what our specialty is, is addresses, right? So part of our charter is to heal and seal the gut um, and also to reseed and rebalance the microbiome. And um, we do these things as just the, uh, it's our status quo, right? It's the part and parcel of the process that we run every client through. And doing both of these things we know reduces systemic inflammation in the body, which has always been recognized as a root cause of so many chronic diseases. But I think now what we understand is that by healing and sealing the gut, we reduce the level of endotoxins and stray food proteins and other toxic byproducts of digestion from getting into the bloodstream and causing havoc. Now, why, you know, why did different people have different symptomology from the same root cause? I think it's because whatever system is weak in the body, those endotoxins or those toxic byproducts of digestion, um, they circulate through the through the bloodstream and they just attack whatever's weak. And so, for some some people, it will you know be brain function, and for other people, it'll be their joints. For others, it will be um, it will uh, rise as autoimmune disease or cancer. It just or, or cardiovascular disease. It just really depends on you know where the weak systems are in your body. So. The nutritional therapy process is really um, one that considers diet, digestion, blood sugar handling, hidden food sensitivities, mineral needs, fatty acid needs, and hydration, which sounds pretty boring, actually, but the amazing thing is that we can affect so many chronic conditions in this way because the root causes are often the same, right? Intestinal, intestinal permeability and imbalances in the gut microbiome. So... Do you think the nutritional therapy approach can actually cure chronic disease? So, you know, I wanted to make a special point of this, right? Because, of course, as you know, Lynn, nutritional therapies constantly uh, reiterate that we don't diagnose or treat disease, which is kind of confusing, I think, to our clients. Um, We don't diagnose or treat disease, but what we do is much more indirect because we're looking for root causes. And when the root cause is you know, healing uh, and sealing the, the, the lining of the gut um, and strengthening the body so that it can heal itself, you know, that, that is, um, it's not treating a disease state directly. It's more um, allowing the body to achieve optimal health and uh, resolve those symptoms itself. So, um, by resolving the systemic infl- inflammation, by sealing and healing the gut, rebalancing the microbiome, by dealing with food intolerances, right, identifying them and helping people eliminate those trigger foods, identifying nutritional deficiencies and supplementing for that, uh, balancing blood sugar, uh, et cetera, you know, those, those are all the many steps that we take to help people regain their health. 
You mentioned endotoxins, and you said they were a part of, of digestion, but yet they can they can kind of circulate around the body and cause disease. Um, so can you mention, can you explain more about that? And, and do the bacteria, they're producing endo, endotoxins too, the bacteria in our gut, maybe the pathogenic bacteria? Yeah, so this is a fascinating, evolving area of research, right? So we kind of have two camps here. We have lipopolysaccharides called LPS, and they're an endotoxin produced by gram-negative bacteria, which is a significant component or proportion of the bacterial strains that are normally found in the gut, right? Mm -hmm. So this is these, this endotoxin is produced as a normal byproduct of their metabolism, and it stimulates an acute immune response if it is not contained to the gut, which is why nature created that firewall, right? eating food and digesting it is a toxic event. That is why we have a firewall between our intestinal tract and the rest of our body. But when that is compromised, then that endotoxin can seep into the body and cause havoc. Um, so many recent studies have associated this bacterial LPS with various chronic conditions. We are seeing papers on it being a factor in Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, macular degeneration, autoimmune diseases, obesity, and even periodontal disease. The problem is that in many of us, and most of us with chronic symptoms, the gut wall you know, develops these tiny holes and is leaking like a sieve. So as these endotoxins leach into the bloodstream, you know, as I mentioned before, it attacks whatever systems are weak. So the second thing you mentioned there was the overgrowth of bad microbes, and that's the dysbiosis part of it. So there we have, you know, a, um, a pathological condition where the um, pathological strains are overgrowing the beneficial ones, and things are out of balance, out of kilter, and the toxic byproducts of their metabolism are also leaching into our bloodstream and causing myriad health effects. So interesting, so interesting. So, so we do kind of need to take a nutritional therapy approach. And how long um, is the nutritional therapy process, and what does it involve? Yeah, so... You know, it's a nutritional therapy process is kind of a stepwise process. And so it is, it does it take more of an investment of time. You know, as you know, Lynn, it's probably, probably working with a nutritional therapy practitioner for three to six months longer if your illness is more complicated or longstanding, right? I tell my clients, you know, figure out about four to five visits over the six month period. Um, you know, in my practice, getting ready for the first visit takes about a week, right? I have people fill out a health history. They do an online questionnaire called a nutritional assessment questionnaire. They keep a three-day food journal. And in the first office visit, we review all of that. And I start them on a um, hands-on skill set called the functional evaluation. Uh, typically, in the first visit, I um, evaluate uh, diet and digestion first. And... Um, the first visit is about a 90-minute visit, so it's pretty comprehensive, but you leave with a, you know, like your first set of recommendations. Then I have people come back in about two to three weeks for a second 90-minute visit, and um, there we kind of continue with the functional evaluation. We kind of dig deeper into some of the other issues, and um, they get a second set of recommendations to go home and implement. The third visit is about four to six weeks later, about an hour long. The fourth visit might be six to eight weeks after that. 
again, about an hour long. And that's the usual sequence of visits. But as I said, you know, for people who have more complicated situations, I might need four 90-minute visits up front just to get a handle on all of the issues. Um, so though it is time intensive, it generally doesn't involve a lot of lab tests or really any lab tests uh, um, or costly treatments. And I think the best thing about it is that the process actually restores health, right? It gets you back to that place of health that you were formerly at versus just masking symptoms. So if someone wanted to learn more, where could they learn more about this, Madeline? Yeah, I think we're seeing um, more books being written that, you know, they they may not be like the most up to date and everything going on, but I like these two books because I think they do a lot to explain sort of the, the root causes of illness coming from the gut. And the first one is called Eat Dirt by Dr. Josh Axe. Mm-hmm. And the second one I like to recommend is Clean Gut by Dr. Alejandro younger why it's j-u-n-g-e-r oh okay i haven't heard of him but i have heard of the eat dirt the eat dirt book so that's awesome Mm -hmm. um if someone were interested in pursuing nutritional therapy um what what would they do how would they go about it yeah so i always recommend using their practitioner search on nutritionaltherapy.com that's the, the National Nutritional Therapy Association's website. Um, so you can find someone near you um, in the Twin Cities. You can schedule a 15-minute complimentary phone consultation on my website, TC Nutritional Therapy. Um, and most practitioners will offer a complimentary phone consultation. So definitely look for that. Um, I do want to mention that, you know, our approach as nutritional therapists is quite different from licensed nutritionists or dietitians. So... We are trained quite differently, and we are trained to use nutrition as a therapy, right? As a therapeutic agent to combat chronic disease. So this is really an alternative medicine approach, and is not the same um, perspective or methodology that you get through uh, licensed nutritionists or dietitians. Okay. Um, yeah. And I also, you know, I want to mention that um, you can do this on your own, right? Absolutely. You can read books. You can listen to podcasts. You can be very disciplined and patient. It can take some time to figure out the best protocol for you. And just remember the best protocol for you can change over time. What's good for you this year might not be good for you next year or even in six months. Working with a, a nutritional therapy practitioner can save time. It can save frustration and money spent on, you know, the wrong supplements. Um, save you from stumbling blocks but you know I understand that not everyone has access or the budget to work with a trained nutritional therapist yes um, all great information really great information Um, do you have a quick tip to end the podcast with Madeline yeah I think we should talk about um, protecting the integrity of your gut wall, right? So I've been talking about intestinal permeability and compromised firewalls. And, you know, you're probably all thinking, well, how are these little holes getting made? And I, it, I think it's important that we understand that uh, there are a lot of elements in modern life that contribute to this. Um, so you want to build it up by promoting, you know, beneficial gut microbes, right? Eating organic real foods, eliminating processed foods and hydrogenated oils, cutting your intake of sugars and starches, limiting the use of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs um, like ibuprofen, Tylenol, and any other chemicals that contact your skin and your hair. So like really be careful about the the parabens and the phthalates and the uh, BPA um, 
uh, chemicals in things that you use. Um, learn to make your own bone broth and nourishing fermented foods. And if you suspect that your digestive capacity is poor, switch to an easily digestible diet, right? You want to have more pureed foods, more cooked foods, more vegetable um, broths and stews, um, and uh, just lighten the load on your digestion. So these are just some suggestions, not an exhaustive list, but hopefully enough to get you started. This is all great things. Um, Thank you so much, Madeline. I learned a lot. And I hope the listeners did too. Thank you, Lynn. Thanks for joining us for the Flourish with Functional Nutrition podcast. Please listen again and remember to follow us and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher. To learn more about Twin Cities Nutritional Therapy, or check out our podcast page, visit tcnutritionaltherapy.com. To find a nutritional therapy practitioner in your area, use the provider search at nutritionaltherapy.com. Until the next time, be well and flourish. Content of this podcast copyright 2019 by Twin Cities Nutritional Therapy. Music by Barbara Benn.